there. This is Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week, we return to our Marvel movie series with a great film, a wonderful film, an apropos film, considering we're going into July. We are kind of moving around as far as chronologically in our monthly series a little bit, but it's for an important reason. Scott, what film are we discussing today? We are discussing Thor Ragnarok. Released in 2017. But we couldn't do it alone. Oh, no, certainly not. No, we had to bring back a special guest, a man who is not unfamiliar to the Shoot the Flick faithful, a man who is not unfamiliar to Marvel stuff on Shoot the Flick, Richie Marchain. Yay! Thank you. Thank you guys for inviting me back. I told you I'd be back for Thor Ragnarok. I just didn't expect it to be so soon. Well, we figured with the new movie, Thor Love and Thunder, coming out very, very soon, we figured it was appropriate to uh, talk about this movie this week. And uh, of course, we had to have Richie on with us once again to discuss yet another Marvel movie, as this is your favorite Marvel movie. That is correct. This is my favorite Marvel movie, and it's a very, like, I feel like a hidden gem inside at least the Infinity Saga that... uh... A lot of people like, but I feel like should be appreciated a little bit more than it does. In the circles I tend to travel in, the, the nerdier circles, it is a very beloved movie that people talk about a lot. Well, I think the reason maybe it's underappreciated by some is because the character of Thor in the MCU, I think, has been underappreciated, at least earlier in the MCU, because the previous two movies before Thor Ragnarok that were Thor solo movies were not great. <laughs> yeah, the the first two movies just were kind of like in their own realm, but it, I feel like they didn't really know how to write for Thor because it's kind of like writing Superman. What can you do with a guy who has godlike powers and try to make him, you know, fight from underneath kind of deal? Because if he's just like so powerful, then he's just going to win all the time. Well, I also think they were trying to decide what Chris Hemsworth was good at, especially early on, because the first one is very much Shakespearean. That's why you brought in Kenneth Branagh. Then they started to realize as Marvel's series went on that, hey, this guy can do comedy. We should make four funny. And then you bring in Taika Waititi to direct this one. And he specifically said he wanted to highlight Chris Hemsworth's comedic talents, which Taika is obviously a master at that just in general. And he's obviously also directing Love and Thunder, so that's good. But we kind of discussed what Richie was saying when we did our review of the original Thor movie, if you want to go back and, and listen to that, gem, But uh, yeah, we basically talked about how they didn't really do much with Thor's character and how he's just like strong god of thunder man so it's hard to like really write him as a a well-rounded vulnerable character i guess at least at that point yeah yeah i think uh a real turning point in the thor character was in age of ultron because that's where you saw more comedic timing and more quips from chris hemsworth and there was like a more human side to thor other than being the shakespearean fish out of water character than he was up to that point 
this film, like I said, was released in 2017. It was actually one of four MCU films released in 2017. Taika Waititi was the director, and this was his first MCU film. He's known for writing and directing a lot of comedies with a twist of drama in there. He had actually just won his Oscar for Jojo Rabbit, which I had seen twice in the theater and cried both times with torrential tears. So I, I'm a big fan of Taika. I mean, I think it was time for Thor to go in a different direction. Yeah, uh, it definitely was a big tonal shift because uh, it, it's almost like it went from a theater play into like an 80s heavy metal cover. <laughs> Especially once that Zeppelin kicks in. Um, oh my god, yeah. Let's talk about the Zeppelin song. So Immigrant Song shows up at least twice in the movie, right? Yes. I feel like that's it. But it's a big deal because um, Zeppelin generally doesn't lend out their music, they particularly that song is so popular and so iconic. But the ah, and they never, it's never in movies. But Taika used it in his sizzle reel to like present his idea for the movie went to the execs. And it was like a big deal to him to get that song in the movie. So I guess because he was very passionate about it, Zeppelin was like, okay, fine. <laughs> and it worked out really well, I think. But uh, just for context, before we get into the nitty and the gritty, this movie chronologically in the MCU, it does take place around the same time as Civil War and Spider-Man Homecoming. So while Iron Man and Captain America are like beating the shit out of each other, Thor is dealing with all this shit. <laughs> in Asgard. So just to put it in context, that's why he wasn't in Civil War, I guess. <laughs> the first time I watched Thor Ragnarok, I know it's Richie's favorite. I was kind of lukewarm on it because same of everybody I knew who talked about it. <laughs> well, well, it's funny because we were at we were at the mall one day and I'm singing Thor Ragnarok's praises. And you're like, all right, fine, I'll buy the DVD, you buy the DVD, and I text you about a month or two later. I'm like, oh, how'd you enjoy Thor Ragnarok? And you're like, I saw half of it. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, you don't just watch just half the film. Like, like it's got to get going. But I think I know, like, around which point you probably stopped. And I, I agree there are a couple points in the movie where it gets a little meandering. Oh, yeah. But I think this time around, I enjoyed it more being separated from the hype. The hype. Yeah, I think I appreciated it more for like the epicness of it. Just not like the oh, it's so cool, but like the epic tale of really Thor kind of having this fork in the road of his character and just being separated from really what made him the Thor of old that we knew before this movie which was like oh guy with cape who talks like shakespeare and has long hair and hammer and flies around very strong and ooh, he's so handsome but like now you strip away all of that mishigas and you're left with this kind of new person and you really get to know him more as a real person and i appreciated that more i feel like this time around and also pairing him with Hulk is always just a fun time. Ironically, it's probably the best Hulk movie that we've gotten this far. Okay, so are we ready to get into the nitty and the gritty? Yes. I am ready for the nitty and the grittiest of discussions. So, we start out with Thor hanging over a giant pit of fire. As you do. Good start, good start. I don't know what you're thinking. 
Oh no, Thor's in a cage. How did this happen? Well, sometimes you have to get captured just to get a straight answer out of somebody. I do like that, though, because it pretty much immediately sets the tone that, like, oh, this is going to be silly Thor. This movie. Oh, okay. This ain't your granddaddy's Thor movie. No, definitely not. Thor gets let out of his cage, and he's hanging there talking to... Surtur. Surtur, who is basically... He's like the fucking guy from Fantasia, like the devil guy who was in Fantasia at the end. Oh, Chernobog? Yeah, but he's on fire. And he's played by Mr. Krabs. <laughs> because why not? I've never heard a more intimidating voice. He's telling Thor his grand plan about Ragnarok, and Thor keeps stopping him halfway through his speech because he keeps spinning around. He's like, I'm not even doing it. It's just happening. Oh no, I don't know what to do. And this leads to, of course, a giant battle. Right, of course, Thor breaks free, and we get Thor being chased by a flaming hell dragon over <laughs> Zeppelin's immigrant song, which perfectly opens up into the movie, into the opening credits. <laughs> It scourges attention, played by Carl Urban, who you know from Dread, The Boys. Yeah, because we established that Heimdall is missing, so he's not uh, guarding the Rainbow Bridge anymore. I know it's called something else, but I always forget, so I call it the Rainbow Bridge. The, the Black Frost. Whatever, the Rainbow Bridge. <laughs> it's Rainbow Road. <laughs> Four is like, what the hell is going on here? He flies, and we get the famous Matt Damon. Oh my god, the scene. fucking okay. So we 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 walk into Asgard, and we see Odin, you know, laying back, chilling out, eating some grapes as the king does, you know, in these kinds of situations. And he's watching a play of basically everything that happened in Thor two, except they're obviously played by actors. The actor who's playing Thor is played by Luke Hemsworth, who is obviously Chris's brother. Uh, the actor who's playing Loki is Matt Damon, which, why? <laughs> why? Okay. And then uh, last but not least, the actor playing Odin is Sam Neill, who is a fellow New Zealander with Taika, and he was actually in a Taika ITT movie called Hunt for the Wilder People, which was a fucking great movie. But yeah, apparently those three are coming back for Love and Thunder, which I, I can't wait to see that. That'll be interesting. I have to admit, the play is very funny. I mean, Luke Hemsworth really uh, lets the tears flow. He's really putting on a show there. I mean, if I was cradling Matt Damon, I'd probably act the same way. <laughs> Fair. I, I love this scene because as soon as Odin, Odin in quotation marks, looks over and sees Thor, he's like, oh shit, <laughs> he tries to run away because we immediately establish that it's not Odin. In fact, it's Loki, which I think we established at the end of Thor 2 that Loki, of course, is not dead and impersonating Odin to take over as God. Yeah, the way he finds out like he throws his hammer and just holds fucking Loki's head, basically. Like you're going mad, <laughs> motherfucker! Stop, just stop. <laughs> and then, of course, you get Tom Hiddleston back, which just makes my heart sing. I love Tom Hiddleston. I love Loki. I mean, I'm boycotting Loki 
because they didn't have Owen Wilson. Oh, wow. At least once in the series. So until he says it in season two. I mean, there's going to be a season two, Richie. You got to give them time to establish the character. I know, but he needs to say wow before I watch it. The funniest thing about that is, what was that? Like a couple nights ago, me and Frankie watched a compilation of all the times Owen Wilson said wow in a movie. Yeah, don't ask me why that came up because I don't remember. <laughs> we might have been drinking. I don't know, but it it happened and it was it was interesting. Honestly, there shouldn't be there shouldn't be a reason. I mean, it's like it's oh, it's 5:30, got to watch got to watch my <laughs> daily Owen Wilson wow video. And so much of it was from Cars, which I've never watched a Cars movie, which for me a Disney nerd is saying something. I refuse to acknowledge their existence. But <laughs> A lot of the wows come from Cars movies, which boggles my mind. I think there was like 147 of them. That's in it? all of his movies? Speaking of Lightning McQueen, Thor has lightning. Oh, yes. Lightning. Oh, Richie, you're so clever. Anyway. Technically thunder, but it's lightning. It's fine. Yeah, Close fine. enough. Lightning follows thunder. It's fine. So apparently Loki left Odin in an old folks home. As you do, question mark, in New York. <laughs> and when they went to go get him, it was being torn down. So they're like, what the fuck? We have to find the old man. And then all of a sudden, Loki is magicked away. And there's nothing left behind but a business card from good old Doctor Strange, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. And his movie, Doctor Strange, was just the year before this, which, again, we will be getting to at some point in the series <laughs> but a quick note it was actually so quick that most people kind of like breeze past it is that thor and jane foster are no longer dating that uh jane actually dumped thor but thor said it was a mutual dumping so natalie portman who went to my high school no big deal is not in this movie <laughs> you just want to throw that little fun fact in there huh <laughs> if i want to mention that natalie portman judd apatow Went to my high school when, why not? You know, it's like. I mean, you go, girl. That's fine. We have Billy Joel go to our high school. You don't see us, you know, crying about it. Well, I'm not crying. I'm happy about it. Why would I cry that Natalie Portman. Crying tears of joy. <laughs> I got a couple of Natalie Portman stories that her teachers told me, but I will not tell them on air. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, poor Natalie Portman. All of them good. All of them good. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Doctor Strange is now in this movie. Yeah, we get the cameo from him. And thankfully, in this movie, for some reason, they have him wearing the stupid yellow rubber gloves, which I'm glad that they did away with after this because he looked ridiculous. I mean, the whole outfit is not exactly like one you would go to Kmart in for like a shopping trip, you know, but like adding on the long ass, yellow ass gloves, it just didn't look worse somehow. I actually love the yellow gloves. It was distracting. Well, they're from the original costume. No, I get it. I get it, Queen. But like, you know, it was distracting. I could not, my eyes could not get away from them. But anyway, Doctor Strange basically is there to dispense some exposition and tell us that Odin has purposely gone into hiding and he is in Norway and he tells Thor that so like he can take Loki and get the hell out of here. So they're like, okay, I'm going to open a portal to you to Norway to go see your dad. Okay, here you go. And I'll bring Loki back to you when we get a great line 
uh, one of the more iconic lines in the movie where Loki falls from a portal in the ceiling down to the ground and says, I have been falling for 30 minutes. I love Loki so much. Honestly, not even just the lines. The two of them, when they interact together, like Thor and Loki, the faces they make at each other, I'm sure behind the scenes they're both cracking up. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, apparently this movie, like 80% of it is is improv lines. I believe it. Taika said so. Like, you could definitely see, like, a lot of these are just, like, riffs. Like, a lot of jokes are, like, the riffs on the character or weren't supposed to be in the original script. And that's what I think really makes it work. Just, like, there's this unpredictability, there's this flow, and, like, almost all the actors, if not all of them, have great chemistry with each other, either serious or comedically. I agree, yeah. So we go to Norway, and Odin is like, I'm dying. Yes, uh, the great Anthony Hopkins. Apparently he wasn't going to return to the role at all, but then he changed his mind after seeing the script for this movie. Which is fair. I mean, it's something different. He probably was getting sick of, you know, the same old song, which is nice to hear. But um, yeah, this particular scene was very poignant. This is one that really made me think of the Loki show, because this is like the moment where Loki in the show is looking back at this particular scene, thinking like, oh, my daddy accepted me. And then he like flew away in a puff of dust. And it was very sad. (laughs) It did make me think of the snap, though. (laughs) A little bit, yeah. Odin also kind of gives some more info on Ragnarok that we have to establish. Yes, Ragnarok is unavoidable. It is the destruction of Asgard. It is coming, and so is Hela, their sister. (gasps) Gasp. And he had kept her away for so long, but now since he is dying, he cannot keep her away any longer. He passes away, and immediately Hela appears, basically. It is great how, like just Norse mythology and like even Greek mythology and all those old mythological tales are like very much like the ancient footprints to what is now like soap operas. It's just like, Oh, a sister that you never knew existed long lost sister. Oh, and she's got real daddy issues. And it's like a whole thing. It's very, uh, sorted. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, what are you going to do? Families are weird, you know? You some One day, it's like you're all having Thanksgiving dinner. The next day, uh, you exile one of your children, and you're not going to see them until you're dead, you know? That's how life works sometimes, especially when you're a Norse god. <laughs> I do enjoy, though, throughout this movie, because I think the first reference is around here, where they talk about, like, random stories that have happened in the four comics, like Loki turning four into a frog is mentioned here in this movie. Yes, a frog, <laughs> which is such a dumb thing. Because, but if you look at the comics, there's a frog four, and it's hysterical to look at. Aww. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of subtle comic book references in this movie, and I remember Taika saying that he would read comics in between the shoots and just kind of like throw like a couple of. Uh, like lines in there just to make some like comic connections, which is a pretty cool Easter egg for people. So yes, Hella appears. Played by Kate Blanchett. This was the first main female villain in the MCU, which is cool. Apparently Charlize Theron was considered at one point for this role, but now she has another role in the MCU now that the Doctor Strange sequel has come out recently. But yeah, the year after this, she did the Ocean's 8 movie, which I still don't understand the purpose of, but it's fine. 
<laughs> we're gonna do Ocean's Eleven, but it's all girls. Isn't that cool? Well, there's only eight of them now, so that's Ocean's Eight. Oh my god. <laughs> First of all, they did Oceans 11, 12, and 13, so that implies that they're going to do 8, 9, and 10, but then 8 did so bad that they're like, okay, I guess we're not doing 9 and 10, and now it's just 8. Now they're doing a prequel with Margot Robbie, supposedly, to Oceans. I just read that recently. Yeah. I'm like, can we just stop? Let's let's stop. <laughs> you gotta squeeze that cash cow dry, you know, nostalgia sells. Like, is Oceans really a cash cow? Well, the first three made so much money, but that's also because you had George Clooney brad pitt and matt damon all in the same movie right i i mean i don't know yeah i mean it's not exactly the same comparison but it's kind of like harry potter's did so well let's do fantastic beasts oh my god don't get me started on fantastic beasts <laughs> I, I could go on a rant but that's for another time me too girl like trust me anyway no i, I totally agree with you yes. so kate blanchett is a badass in this movie and she, like, has her own, like, helmet that transforms into, like, antlers and stuff. And that could transform into daggers. And Thor is trying to, like, stop her. Throws Mjolnir into her face. But she catches it like a football. And then yeah. just destroys it with one hand. And Thor has, like, that surprise Pikachu face. For a uh-huh. <laughs> I was also thinking... This family has a thing about horns. Loki had the horn. Oh well, yeah, Loki has. Ella horns, has a horn helmet. Well, it's Norse mythology, so most of the yeah artillery and protection is horns, I believe. I, I'm sorry, I haven't brushed up on Norse mythology. <laughs> well, now we need to pause the podcast. We're all going to take a Norse mythology class at oh, our nearest no. college. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, how many credits is it? If it's uh, like uh, under two, then I won't really consider it for that amount of money. Jesus Christ. Huh. Well, after Hela basically, you know, smashes up Mjolnir, Thor immediately wants to like run at her and still fight. But Loki actually very intelligently in that moment decides, no, no, we're, we're going to go. <laughs> Bye. He basically whisks. Thor off through the uh, Rainbow Bridge. <laughs> Which ends up with both of them getting knocked out. Of Yeeted the out of the Rainbow Bridge. <laughs> By Hela. <laughs> because I don't know if this is... As you said, it might be a smart move, but I also think it's a bad move, because I'm not sure Hela can get to Asgard without the Bifrost. But in the same breath, if they had stayed there, she probably would have killed them both. <laughs> a lot of pros and cons with that situation. I think either way, she was going to manage to get her ass up there, whether they had played nice. If they were going to live, they'd have to either play nice and bring her up there willingly, or they would just have to, like, you know, run away, (laughs) and she'd find her way up there. So either way, they were not well-equipped to handle this particular situation. No, they were not, and Hela gets to Asgard and immediately kills a shit ton of people she killed shazam she did kill shazam which aren't we so sad about that because wasn't zachary levi in this movie so important do you even remember that character's name i don't yeah shazam write him in my cast list no because he's unimportant (laughs) just like all of thor's other friends in this fucking movie (laughs) so thor lands in garbage and immediately is captured by junkers who then lose him to Valkyrie. Played by Tessa Thompson in her MCU debut. 
she apparently based her performance in this film on Sarah Connor from T2, which is apparent and not apparent like bad, but like when you hear that, you can see like what she was trying to get at. Yeah, I can definitely see it. The drunken stumbling, but still being a badass. Yeah. Aside from her introduction scene, I don't think we see her like that drunk that often. Not like, yeah, not like stumbling and stuff, but she's drinking throughout the entirety of the film. (laughs) So she's more of a functioning alcoholic most of the time, I would say. (laughs) Yeah, but it's funny because Taika does definitely play off the whole badass walkout scene and her falling off (laughs) the fucking bridge is just totally a play because that's always the badass enters and then you're like oh everybody takes notes oh she yeah falls over well the thing is i think taika just in general with his films is is funny that way because he he does a lot of like cool references and you know he he can really pull off the balance between dramatic and comedic but like the balance sometimes is is weird not in a bad way necessarily but like we'll go from literally 10 minutes ago we just had a beautiful parting scene with two sons and their dying father and then you get like Pratt falls and like <laughs> physical comedy that's pretty basic on its face but because of the characters and the connection you have with them it's it just is an added little bonus of hilarity <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of subverging uh, expectations where it's just like, oh, you think it's going to go left, but nope, we're going to go do a couple donuts in the parking lot and then we're just going to fly off this bridge. The Rainbow Bridge. But uh, my favorite part, going back to Thor being captured, obviously, is the whole scene where she brings him to Sakaar, this alien planet, and um, the first thing we see is Thor is waking up. We get a instant reference to <laughs> the creepy fucking scary tunnel in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yes, the danger must be growing for the rowers keep on rowing and they're certainly not showing any signs that they are slowing. I watched it in theaters with uh, one of my friends. Um, I whispered to him, I'm like, this is the best movie I've ever seen in theater because it's just like, it's so like weird and random. And then the zoom in on Thor's face and then immediately it's just like normal. It's so good. Cause it gives you the exact same feeling that you get in Willy Wonka, which is like, Oh, I thought this was a wonderful magical place full of candy and wonder. And now we're being <laughs> tortured in this dark tunnel of fear and terror. And now well, everything's fine and we're never going to mention it again. <laughs> when people describe Sakaar, like I like to describe Sakaar as a B-plus movie set with a Hollywood budget. And in that exact, it looks exactly like that. There's a lot of different colors and different rooms and different choices that aren't going to be expanded upon, but they're there. It makes you feel like you're almost at a McDonald's play place, a laser tag dome. By the way, before you start your laser tag game, you're just going to take like a hit of acid before you walk in. Yes. It just gives you all those different feelings. Which is like the perfect way to introduce the leader of this planet, the Grand Master, played by the amazing Jeff Goldblum. And I feel like Jeff Goldblum has such a specific like he fits right into this kind of box 
very Willy Wonka where it's like, I am a, a kind and capricious God, but don't fuck with me because I can fucking kill you or I can make my minions do it and I can pretend that my hands are clean, but oh, I'm, I'm such a kind and loving God. He does remind me a little bit of what became of uh, what's his name from Iron Man 3. The Mandalorian? No, not the Mandalorian. Uh, the Mandarin. Oh, the Mandarin. <laughs> the Mandalorian. I was like, wait, which one? <laughs> no, but I get what you're saying, kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's basically if the Mandarin decided to go through, like, an emo phase. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if the Mandarin ate, like, a Care Bear and decided to wear the Care Bear, like, over its body and kind of, like, try to front as a Care Bear. He does have a very Care Bear stare about him, doesn't he? Jeff Goldblum in this movie. <laughs> He's Jeff Goldblum. He's weird. It's just how it goes. Uh, but Loki's here. Yeah, apparently he's been here for a couple weeks at this point. So Thor is going to be made into a gladiator, and he's going to fight the Grand Champion. Who is this Grand Champion? We don't know yet. Not even Loki has seen him, because Loki has, of course, gained favor with the creepy Grand Master guy. He, he literally tells... Thor, like, because they have a conversation, and Thor's like, This guy's fucking crazy. And Loki's like, Yeah, I know, but like, he likes me, so I'm just gonna kind of go with it for now. <laughs> have fun, though, fighting the champion. Bye. <laughs> Thor is taken down to the dungeon. Oh my god. Yeah, like the weird cyclical dungeon. <laughs> Where he meets our final main oh! character that we kind of care about. Korg! Also played by Taika Waititi. Taika! <laughs> Korg is the resident comic relief for the movie. Other than Jeff Goldblum. But opposite from Goldblum's grandmaster, who has like a sinister edge to him, Korg is just the complete opposite, where he is just like the sweetest, like kindest, like softest voiced character who is made completely of rocks. Uh, made of rocks, as you can see, but don't let that intimidate you. You don't need to be afraid unless you're made of scissors. <laughs> just a little rock, paper, scissor joke for you. Uh, while this is all going on, actually, I don't care about the Hella's story because the kind of Hella's story is kind of pointless. She's taking over Asgard. There you go. There's your yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. Is, that, is that where you stopped the DVD, Scott, when you're watching it the first time? Yeah, around there, yeah. Huh? I had a feeling. But uh, as they're, you know, picking out weapons, getting ready to fight the champion, Thor finds out that Valkyrie is a Valkyrie. <gasps> who is an ancient Asgardian warrior who used to be real badass, but uh, she's given up on that life in Asgard. Well, because all of her people were exterminated by Hela, except for her. <laughs> Thor gets taken to get ready for the fight, and his hair gets cut by Stanley. Naturally. Probably one of the best Stanley cameos, in my opinion. He's like, I'm an old man. My hands aren't as steady as they used to be. And Thor tries to, like, bulk up on him, saying, like, you shall not lay a hand on my head. Then he starts machining. It's like, please don't touch my hair, mister. Please, kind sir. <laughs> don't cut my hair. And this leads us to the arena. Thor is about to fight the grand champion and we find out who that grand champion is. This was like a great fucking moment. <laughs> Just awesome. It is given away in the trailers but because that's why everyone thought this was going to be more Planet Hulk. Right. But like yeah, Hulk comes out 
and you get the the famous line yes <laughs> and everyone's silent like what the fuck <laughs> He's a friend from work. It's okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We're cool. <laughs> the, the funny, funniest part of that for me, like after all of that, and like Hulk starts attacking him. And Thor's like, what are you doing? I told him we were friends. <laughs> You're embarrassing me. <laughs> it's it's also so funny because once Hulk shows up, Loki's like, oh shit, I, I have to get out of here. <laughs> oh, Loki was great because at one point, literally Hulk, slams fucking thor around like he did to loki in the avengers movie and loki's reaction is like yes now you know how it feels <laughs> and he looks to grandmaster like oh i just i love the sport it's all fine oh god it's so good they have a good fight there's a lot of good moments in here and then uh it looks like thor's got hulk on the ropes yeah thor unlocks his hidden potential i guess and turns into, like, thunder mode, and is about to, like, lay the whooping on the Hulk, and then Grandmaster hits the little uh, button that activates Thor's uh, neck mechanism that traps Thor in a state, and then Hulk just slams Thor. I thought it was interesting, too, that, like, Thor really only got a little bit of his mojo back in that fight when he managed to, like, get a makeshift hammer-type weapon just after getting slammed into the wall, he managed to like pull out a bunch of like metal and stuff and it looked kind of like a hammer. So I feel like it's just another depiction, I guess, of how Thor is, is used to like channeling his power through some kind of weapon or something. And he's used to that, I guess, to the point where he maybe is using it as a crutch, we find out later. Yeah, definitely. But. Thor wakes up in Hulk's bedroom. That's a scary sentence to utter. What's interesting, too, I feel like, is that up to this point, at least, as far as I've known the character of the Hulk, really in any iteration, he's just seen as like a mindless, moaning and groaning like beast, right? But in this movie, he actually establishes like a character and like has conversations and like he's like a real person kind of well, yeah he, which is like it's different it's new well he's a whole personality right but he's driven by rage right. so but and he, also he's been running around unencumbered by bruce banner for like two years so exactly and he's also kind of developed a relationship with valkyrie oh yeah they're like little buddies but we did establish, though, that he, he came here on the jet from Ultron. Yeah, he was he was going after, like, one of the Ultron, like, clones. And that was during the time where uh, he was brainwashed by, by Wanda. Th- this happened, like, after he was brainwashed and stuff. But he was feeling, like, the reverb of uh, Earth not liking Hulk that much anymore. So he figured... Or at least in the Hulk mind, saying, well, Earth doesn't like me. Let me go somewhere else. So Thor basically determines, like, oh, if I can get on the jet, I can get out of here and get back to Asgard. He eventually does get the electric shock collar off his neck and makes his way to the jet. But Hulk follows him. Because Hulk and Thor bond, and now they're buddies. They are buddies. <laughs> and Hulk does not want Thor to go away. Then Hulk sees the message from 
uh, Natasha and has a mini freak out and turns back into Bruce Banner. I thought that was sad. It made me like, aw. Because he's stayed away from, obviously, that jet for at least the two years that he's been on this planet. And then, like, within a second, he goes back on the ship, sees the video from Natasha, which basically is saying, like, okay, Bruce, like, come back now. <laughs> and, he's, and then he realizes, like, oh, Natasha, oh, shit, Bruce has been gone for two years. Wait, I got to get up. <laughs> and then Bruce comes back and he's like, oh, uh, what happened? So, yeah, so now it's for tr- trying to lead Bruce around, trying to find out how they can get out of there and get another ship since Hulk accidentally destroyed the original ship. Meanwhile, the Grandmaster realizes that Hulk and Thor are missing and he calls in Loki and Valkyrie to basically be like, what the fuck? Okay, you gotta go find them. And they go off and they start arguing and they have like a really good fight scene. I totally forgot about this scene too. And I really, really liked their fight scene together. Yeah. Tessa Thompson does a really good job here expressing like, because this is where you find out about all of Hela's like, like they show the memory of Hela killing everybody and, it was giving me very like Zack Snyder vibes, you know, when uh they like the slow motion and like the big fucking like epic uh, battle scene, except you know, fucking uh, what's it called? The Justice League movie lasted five hours, and this was like a good minute, <laughs> and then we got it. We're good. <laughs> yeah, it was a gorgeously shot scene, so um, it definitely contrasted to the rest of the movie. And uh, I'm not sure if we're there yet, but I think they did like this weird like Heimdall scene with Thor to like kind of update him. Yeah, yes. yeah. Cutting back to Asgard, Heimdall is basically leading the resistance against Hela. Yeah, he has like a great return moment because up to this point, he's been like a quote unquote fugitive in Asgard and he's been on the run but then he has this grand return moment where he's fighting Hela's minions and he's like protecting all the Asgardians from her reign of terror. Four reaches out to him and he shows Four like what the hell is going on in Asgard since Hela has risen the dead and a giant wolf to be her army. The big puppy. <laughs> As we called it in the movie. It looked like freaking Taylor Lautner from Twilight or something. I feel like I was like, is this a Twilight movie now? <laughs> Heimdall's like, yeah, you gotta go through the giant portal. And then Thor's like, okay, I guess we're going through this big fucking portal, which is like a huge, dark, swirling mass in the sky. He's like, I'm guessing that's the big door. Especially since they call it the anus, which, like, okay. It is the devil's anus, yes. (laughs) Gotta go through the devil's anus if you want to achieve your dream, you know? Thor and Loki have a men in black moment where they start shooting shit up. And and I think this is probably, like, my favorite scene in the movie is when they're in the elevator. Yes, I love the elevator scene. I'm probably better off staying here on Sakaar. That's exactly what I was thinking. Did you just agree with me? Come on, this place is perfect for you. Savage, chaotic, lawless. Brother, you can do great here. Do you truly think so little of me? Loki, I thought the world of you. So it's kind of like in Thor's way, just kind of accepting Loki for who he is and not in his mind what he wants him to be, which is like best friends, best bros, you know, and now it's just like, you know what? You're allowed to do you and I'm allowed to do me. And then he's like, hey, let's play Get Help. (laughs) It's great. It's a great scene. 
because again it just it perfectly balances the serious family stuff and then also the silliness of it but what i love of course is that loki immediately tries to betray thor it gets screwed over of course by thor and the last thing thor says to loki is like you could be more you know and i just i just love that because it like perfectly sets loki up for his eventual come around and i'm like yes because that's literally all i've wanted for loki this whole time and i know that he's gonna get it and i'm just so excited to get there (laughs) it also shows that thor isn't as gullible as he was like in the previous movies when it comes to loki like he always had like a blind spot for loki so it shows like thor kind of like has learned from just basically loki's trickery and it kind of like pulls on his own so he's not just like the he's not always like the dumb god jock that he always is he's actually picked up some things during the movies which is pretty good uh character development which will be uh kind of uh pushed back a little bit in uh the next couple movies but we're not there yet but i think in love and thunder they're gonna bring it all the way back around and make him even stronger which is gonna be i feel like that's part of the reason why it's so anticipated because you know previously thor was like in the lowest spot we've ever seen him and now we just want him to come back and be even better i think it's definitely going to be very interesting i think you also have to understand like taika hasn't really missed yet and i think any of his movies no (laughs) i think all of them are very well rated so it's like he's coming back and you're like okay let's see how this goes it's taika has a very different take on four than i think the russo brothers have on four Mm-hmm. They actually had to bring Taika in for uh, Infinity War just to like brush him up on uh, what he did to the Thor character so he's not just uh, like uh, how he was in previous films. Yeah, exactly. Now as the escape is going on, because they have a ship, uh, Valkyrie has let Korg and the rest of the prisoners with jobs out. <laughs> prisoners with jobs. And he's like, the revolution has begun. Oh, I love Korg. Uh, and there's a whole big chase uh, that is basically ended when uh, <laughs> like Thor and Valkyrie are breaking apart ships and Mark Ruffalo hits a button. and <laughs> a Fireworks bu- come out. This whole like scene, once they get to Asgard, like shit really hits the fucking fan and just gets more and more outrageous as it goes on. They go for the devil's anus, get to Asgard, <laughs> and it's now the fight. Thor has to go fight Hela. Yeah, and meanwhile, everyone else pretty much is trying to smuggle all the Asgardians out of Asgard. Yes. They're trying to get to the Bifrost. They're blocked off by the giant wolf and then cornered by Hela's army. Thor is getting his ass kicked, gets his eye cut out. <laughs> yeah, that that's a thing that happens. Yeah, things aren't looking really good for Thor at this point. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no really other way to say it. They try to basically strip him down to as close to nothing as they can get. So that way, when he has his big resurge and see how it surge in there because you know lightning and stuff it's even more powerful you see and it is it's fucking dope as fuck yeah he has his uh dream discussion with his father my other favorite scene of the movie because it asked the the best uh 
not hypothetical question, but the when he's like, I don't have my hammer anymore, and his dads are like, Are you Thor, god of hammers? That was great. <laughs> because it shows like the his power comes within it, and, and the hammer was only there to control his power. He can now unleash it. Yes, and he shoots a giant bolt of lightning that hits him and Hela. While this is going on, Valkyrie can't stop this giant wolf, but she's been having this kind of flirtation with Bruce this whole time. Oh yeah, that whole thing is great because she's talking to Bruce and Bruce is talking to her and they're both like, I feel like I know you. Why do I feel like I know you? And for some reason, Thor doesn't think to just say like, oh, this is Hulk. Bruce, this is Valkyrie. You guys have like this thing going on. Except he used to be green and now he's not. But like, didn't think to just mention that and clear up the tension. <laughs> but at some point, Valkyrie and Bruce are on the ship. And, you know, Valkyrie's like, uh, back is up against the wall. And she's like, oh, fuck, we're, you know, we I can't hold them off. And Bruce is like, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> and he just jumps out of the ship. And Valkyrie's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And he promptly just flops his fleshy ass down onto the rainbow bridge and, like, looks basically dead until, you know, he magically becomes Hulk again and whips that wolfie's ass. (laughs) It is very funny. Just the flop, because he flops in front of the wolf and the wolf's like... Just sniffs it like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And then the look on Valkyrie's face when he turns into the Hulk, she's like, oh, okay, got it. (laughs) I understand now. (laughs) And we go into the immigrant song again, by the way, when Thor kind of unleashes his mighty Thorness. Yes. And the real fight starts. But before Thor gets into this real fight, Loki shows up. (gasps) His eventual turnaround was imminent. With Korg and the rest of the prisoners with jobs. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he's like, your savior is here. Oh, that was great, yeah. But I do love when Loki walks up to Heimdall and he's like, welcome home. I saw you coming. He's like, I know you did. <laughs> Thank you for welcoming me to my home. Because I feel like just historically, Loki is not very welcome among the Asgardians. He's not, because he's Loki. Yeah, Immigrant Song plays again. They're kicking ass until Hela shows up and Hela starts wrecking shit again. I mean, I think around this time is where Thor kind of comes to the realization that like... Because when he has the dream kind of conversation with... Odin, Odin tells him Asgard isn't a place, it's a people. So that's why they are just trying to get everybody out safely and then they'll, you know, they'll figure it out later. So then at some point while Hela is approaching him, Loki, and Valkyrie, Thor makes the connection to Ragnarok, which is supposed to be this like world-destroying event that I guess they thought that, like, this is, okay, we have to prevent this from happening, but Thor realizes in that moment, oh, no, no, wait, <laughs> Ragnarok's the only thing that can actually stop Hela, so, like, let's do that. Loki, go make it happen. You like to destroy things? Go make it happen. <laughs> and Loki gets Surtur's helmet from earlier in the movie, throws it in the Eternal Flame, right after stopping at the... Tesseract. Surtur appears, the giant devil man, 
and it becomes Hela versus Surtur. She does kill Scourge at some point because he changes his mind and starts shooting at her. Yeah, I mean, but like, who cares at that point? <laughs> Carl Urban dies. It's fine. Great. Who cares? Anyway, <laughs> Carl Urban is kind of like whatever in the whole movie. He's not that important, unfortunately. But the main thing that happens is that fucking Hella just, you know, crumbles and falls off of the rainbow bridge into the sea. And the best part of that whole scene, obviously, is when the Hulk goes to attack the giant flaming monster. <laughs> and Thor is like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> He's like, big monster. No, <laughs> get away from there. We're leaving. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Asgard is destroyed. But not the people. The people still live. The people still live. Until the next movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's fine. It's fine, Richie. <laughs> but the the best part of it is uh, at the very end when Loki comes on the ship and talks to Thor. Because throughout the whole movie, Loki has shown up to speak to Thor multiple times and he hasn't actually been there. It's just been a projection. So Thor like throws things at him and it just goes right through. But Loki shows up this last time at the very end and Thor says, if I thought you were actually here, I'd give you a hug. And then he throws something at him and Loki catches it. And I'm like, oh, yay, he's here. <laughs> it's like such a good moment. And then at the end of the movie, obviously, when the film is ending and they have their little funny moment with Korg and, you know, Thor is announced the king of Asgard. And they're like, we're going to Earth to make a new Asgard. And that's basically how the movie ends. But then, of course, we get the mid credit scene where um, Loki and Thor are on the bridge of the ship and they look up and they see a big old big scary ship, which for some reason I had blocked it out in my brain. I'm like, who the fuck is that? And Scott's like fucking Thanos. I'm like, no, <laughs> I had forgot that it happens like right after this, <laughs> like everything happens with. Oh, God. I'm not emotionally ready to watch that again, but we got a little bit till we have to. Yes. And then on a lighter note, uh, the other mid-credit scene is the Grand Master uh, appears from his uh, fortress, and he's like, "Wasn't that a great revolution, everyone? I guess we can uh, just call it a tie." That was great. And then just cuts to black. Four will return, and that is for Ragnarok. I personally liked this a lot more than last time I watched it. I think I was able to appreciate the evolution of Thor's character a lot more in this movie the second time around. I think this is probably the second time that I've watched this movie only. So I had a much better experience this time. Agreed. Being removed from all the hype from people talking about it, it was a good time. The Hela stuff could be better. I think she was pretty damn sinister. No, and I think I think they left it open for her to come back potentially too, which is good. Like nothing was bad or wrong with Hela, like character wise. The problem was that there wasn't really anything compelling for her to work off of. Mm -hmm. Like while in Asgard, because Asgard it looks beautiful like in this movie, but the setting wasn't really the problem. The problem was she didn't have any strong personalities yeah. to kind of bounce off of. Like he, she had uh, uh, Judge Dredd with her. She, yeah, she had Scourge, which is like, he's exactly what his name sounds like. He's a Scourge. <laughs> and like, 
she has interactions with Thor at the end, but by then it's like, you know, we're in the climax and there's not a lot of depth to that. It's just, you know, good guy fighting bad guy at that point. Yeah. And I do like, she does have like some jokes in the movie too, where it's like, she makes this grand speech and someone just says, who are you or whoever you are? She's like, whoever I am, didn't you just hear my speech? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was funny. You know, so she does have like some good quips, but there's not really anything for her to kind of, do except kind of like take over and stuff like i feel like if there was like a couple more scenes with like stronger personalities there i think it would have been nice because you know how like thor kind of had a dream interaction with odin i feel like if she had had some kind of interaction with odin whether in a dream or in some kind of mystical magical way obviously because by that point he had passed away but I feel like that would have been really strong because obviously all of her past like emotional baggage was pretty much solely with Odin. So it would have been nice to maybe chop that up a little bit and look into that. But Right. I also have a, uh, I, when I was thinking about Thor Ragnarok, I had an epiphany that it's uh, very similar to, at least plot wise to Black Panther in a way, because you have father that dies you have a sibling or family member coming back to take the throne and they're evil. The hero disappears for a while. There was a person from their side, their like home field side, like Asgard and Wakanda, that turned to the dark side for a little bit to support the new leadership and then have like an about face. And they're like, oh, this is actually my home and fights it. So plot wise, I do think Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther are very similar. Definitely similarities you can connect between the two movies. You know, they're different in ways, too. I think a lot of the Marvel films and a lot of the tracks they take with their characters, there's similarities throughout all of them as far as, like, structure. That, you know, I think what makes them different from each other, what sets them apart, is just the character development and, like, the chemistry the characters have with each other. You know what I mean? That's what sets them apart from each other. But as far as, like, the structure of the film or like how they set up the plot a lot of those are the same that doesn't necessarily mean anything bad but no it's just like something i was thinking when i was uh just doing because it's like it's comparing thor's third movie the black panthers first you know what i mean so it's like there's gonna be like beat by beat similarities but i was just like wait there's a dead dad there's a family member who's coming back and that's evil that's taking over the throne you know yeah so it's like a lot of like (laughs) I was like, wait a minute here. But uh, overall, Thor for Ragnarok, probably my favorite MCU film. And everything on Sakura, I mean, like the, the jokes, pretty much all of them, in my opinion, hit. There were like a couple, one or two that kind of slowed down a little bit. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much the uh, my go-to uh, MCU movie. It's definitely good, and it was definitely good to go back and re-watch it. Frankie, what did you have for Ragnarok rated at the five stars? Well, before rewatching this, I had it as a three and a half. But after rewatching it this time, I changed that to a four out of five. I was pleasantly surprised by how much I genuinely enjoyed this movie, even more so the second time around. I also have it as a four out of five. Uh, what do you have it as, Richie? I'm taking my bias out of it, since it's my favorite, and just, like, structurally, like, I agree, it's a four out of five. I feel like if they cut the movie down by probably, like, maybe, like, 10, 15 minutes at certain points, 
I think it would be a more structurally better paced movie because when you get to the hell parts, it really does slow down a little bit because she, Kate Blanchett doesn't really have anything to work off of. And that kind of slows the pacing down a little bit, but the things about Sakaar and like the space adventure stuff, that's when the movie really picks up. And I do think uh, four to five is the appropriate grade for this movie. I think too, like you have to remember, like the first two Thor movies, like just visually, it was a lot darker. And in this movie, and I'm assuming in Love and Thunder, just based on the trailer, it's so colorful and so bright and vibrant. And I feel like, because even what Richie said before about Asgard being so beautiful, you really didn't see a lot of that in the first two movies. But this time, it seems more like a real godlike, ethereal type world that ultimately gets destroyed at the end of the movie so <laughs> you know <laughs> it is what it is but yeah for love and fun there should be a lot of fun i kind of I can't wait to see it oh we'll be seeing it in a drive-in theater very excited Ooh, very nice i will see it in a regular theater that i will drive to but I will ah. not drive in. <laughs> well we hope you don't drive into the theater that yeah, would don't be drive bad. into the theater <laughs> Well, you guys know which theater I'm going to. It's on the second story. That'd be pretty impressive if I drove through it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Richie, thank you for being on. Uh, tell the people where they can find you if they want to interact with you. Uh, thank you. It is uh, both on Twitter and Instagram at One True Richie, and I also have a Macari account where I sell my old Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon memorabilia, and that is Rags to Richie. Oh, how clever. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's the play on words that gets them every time. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm so glad that we could have you on again because we just had you on for our Captain America review, which is appropriate given, you know, the kind of guy that you are. You're just a... Oh, stop. A nice stand-up guy just like Captain America. But now we have you on for your fave MCU movie, as is how it should be, Thor Ragnarok. Oh, thank you for guys for having me, and I'll be back for whenever you guys do Sonic the Hedgehog, Detective Pikachu. Oh, God. No! Or maybe Infinity War. You get everybody like who's guest starred on the cast, and we all do like one giant collaborative thing. <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, oh, that would be an undertaking. I don't even know how I pulled that off. <laughs> oh, oh, God. God. Um, so next week, uh, I will be showing Scott a new movie that, um, I think will be actually our first animated film that we'll be discussing on Shoot the Flick ever. I don't think we've ever discussed an animated film, but next week will be the week. So, uh, until then, this has been Shoot the Flick and I am Frankie Spock. And I am Scott Eisenberg. And I'm Richie Morshine. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at ShootTheFlick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our thunderous, electrifying movie adventure. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see.